Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and unfortunately, we had a small glitch during the uh, um, production of this particular podcast, but the information is so good, and Wayne D. McFarland is such a uh, wonderful guest that I wanted to uh, include most of it. We, we lose about five minutes of, of dialogue, but most of that was just getting to know who he is, and, and uh, he's a self-published author. He's been on the podcast before. He's a really, really cool dude, and uh, we talk about his book, and he's got another book coming out that is uh, targeting authors, brand-new authors, and how not to get hoodwinked by the people out there that are trying to hoodwink you and trying to get you to pay money to get them to do things, and then they don't actually do it. So we are talking about that and when we pick up this interview and I believe the question I was asking him was how most people who publish books, they only sell 100 or 200 copies and why that is. So, so you're going to get his answer, and then we're going to play in the rest of the podcast. So I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. So I hope you do. Um, again, you're listening to My Independence Report, and this is Wayne D. McFarland. But if your product is trash... You know, you might get a flurry of sales, but it's not going to have any legs. And so I told the crowd that, and everybody was kind of grumpy because, you know, we all want to believe that the only reason we don't have that book tour with associated groupies and all of the all of the benefits, right, is because uh, we just need to have that magic thing to get our book out there. Well, you do need that. But on the other hand, if your book is good or is appealing, uh, then it'll work. But if it's not, it ain't going to work. No matter what you do, nobody wanted to hear that, Kevin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to <laughs> did, did, well, see, one of the one of the things is that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in in um some research that I've done in the past, they say that for every um, new book that's either self-published or goes through, the, the the average sales are like a couple of hundred copies, and that's all they get. Is that is that is that yep. anywhere is that anywhere near accurate? It's absolutely accurate, and uh, you know the once you run out of friends and relatives, <laughs> the, yep. bo- the book just lays out there, kind of like know, network and, marketing. Uh, yeah. And, and yes. And, um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, they all tout social media and all kinds of things to do it, but, uh, it's really, 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 you have to really know what you're doing. Cause otherwise, you know, you're paying money for social media ads. And one of the things I say in my book is ask yourself, when was the last time you bought a book off of social media? And 99.99% of people are going to say, well, never. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So uh, so all that stuff about, we'll put you out on social media and everybody and their dog will be 
you know, looking at your ad and you'll sell tons of books. No, that's designed to take your money. And as we say, fatten the eagle and slim the wallet. <laughs> so, so what I tried to do in the, in the book, Kevin, was give very specific examples of what to do and what not to do. Also, it's kind of like and, a blueprint of, of how to be successful. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it also is a kind of a running commentary of, okay, you go out there, this is what you're going to run into. And if you're seeing the following things, you're getting hustled. And, and it was all out of my own experience. And, you know, Kevin, you and I were talking previously and I, I'll, repeat it here, you should, follow, you should pardon me, but I I always viewed myself as pretty sophisticated. I mean, I knocked around in Hollywood for, for a while, and and, uh, and I got to tell you, I got out there on my own with my book, and they hustled me like, you know, a, a rube off the turnip truck. And, I mean, it didn't take me very long to figure it out, but... Uh, the the bottom line is there's legions of people who are are dream suckers. They they live on the dreams of people who have wanted to write a book their whole life, and they they finally did it. And those people live on those dreams, and their approach is dishonest. All you need to do is X, Y, and Z, and you could be a big bestseller. No. All you need to do is do X, Y, and Z and have a good book. <laughs> then you can be a good bestseller. So, and there are ways to... Go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say... I was, I was just going to say as far as... Uh, because editing comes into a major part of that as well, doesn't it? Oh, huge. And there's groups out there that are professional editors and other people who... You know, if you're going to spend any money, find a very well-recommended, well-referred group that will edit and review your book, and they'll review it. And the good companies will tell you, they'll say, Wayne, the reason the wind is blowing in your face with this book everywhere you turn is because it sucks. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know <laughs> They'll tell you or give you guidance as to what to do to fix it. There's where you need to focus. And once you've got a piece of work that professionals in the industry come back and say, okay, with the right publicity, this could have some legs. Now you're talking. And I've had people ask me, Wayne, if you were going to recommend authors what to do for publicity, what would you say? I would say, do two things, three things, actually, you know, first do that editing thing with a very reputable company. You can also tell you if you've got something worth fooling with. The second thing is to find people like Kevin McDonald and get on their show. And the third thing is to do press releases with a company like it's called send to press. And they have contacts all over and you do a, $200 press release with them and it'll go to Hollywood and New York and the places you want it to go. That's That would be after my years of experience in the industry and getting hosed. That's my recommendation. <laughs> so when you've got a book 
and do you get like see i get calls from people that say you know i can help you with this thing we can promote this thing and da, 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 da. but it's it's like show me the money and do you get calls like that where people say you know for five thousand dollars i'll make you a new york times bestseller number one all the time all the time i mean really it's unbelievable you put your name out there that you know you've You've got a book, you're doing something, and my God, Kevin, it's it's like a circus, and with a three a three ring circus, it, just you know elephants and dancing dancers, and you know a ring leader, and everybody shouting how grand it's going to be. Just write a check, you know. And how wonderful you are. You're such a wonderful author, and this is such a wonderful book. I can make it big, big, big. All I need is five grand. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, God, that's absolutely right, Kevin. That's uh, that's uh, that's so terrible because it's like it's like you know this is this is your and, and you know honestly. Every author that's written a book wants to believe that what they've written is new and different and than anything that's ever been out there, and they want to believe in themselves. And so they're kind of an easy mark, aren't they? Oh, oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like somebody having cancer and you or COVID, and you say, here, drink some bleach. That'll fix you right up. <laughs> and, and, I know and, a guy who did say who and, said that. Yes, and uh, and you're you know you you want it to work so desperately that that's how these people make their living. There's companies out there that that I know of that do millions of dollars a year scamming new authors, and uh, it's that's really why. Here comes another unsolicited shameless plug. That's why I wrote your. That's why I wrote you're an author. Available on Amazon, I might add. And what I try to do is give a, you know, not just an overview of it's a dangerous world out there, but specifics as to what to do, what not to do, and and when the, the smell of hustle is in the air, you know? Yeah, now let's let's start at the very very beginning. Um, let me tell you a quick story. There's a, I was on Facebook yesterday or the day before, and one of my fellow bus drivers was talking about driving up Third uh, Avenue and the, the way that he described it. And Third Avenue in Seattle, by the way, used to be a really nice place. Now it's kind of drug infested, yeah. and it's got people that are sleeping in tents and on the sidewalk and that sort of thing. And so he was uh, his. Um, the language that he used really pictured who, what he was seeing. It was like he was just seeing it from his own eyes. And I said, this guy's got talent. Now, he hasn't written a book yet, but he's got talent. And I think that yep. he should um, because he can really put in the reader's mind's eye what is actually going on with the words that, he, that he's written. And so how would you take a guy like that who clearly has potential? What would be the first step that you would recommend he take? Well, the first thing uh, that I would recommend is he's had no writing experience or exposure at all. The first step is, you know, you have to decide what do you want to write? And in the case of your bus driver, I'll bet he or she, I don't know, the gender, I don't care but they probably got stories and observations galore 
And and just from what you said, it might be first thing you got to do is decide. Okay, what do I want to write? Do I want to write, you know, a, a bus driver's view of Seattle, and then you know talk about the various things you see and you've seen? Uh, let's say that that's the decision, right? So then, dang it, you have to sit down and write it. And my advice to be okay, get one of these books that tells you how to block out a book and be careful, you know, what you select because blocking out a book depends on whether you're going to do a novel or first person rendition or whatever. So buy the right kind of guide and they'll tell you how to, and they're really good. They'll tell you how to block, block it out, you know, chapter by chapter and whatever. And then once you have that, write it and then find that good outfit. An editor can take a, a average work hopefully well written and turn it into a great work a great editor is they're they're worth they can really make the difference and then once you have that done then by you're an author don't get hustled and figure out what way you want to go and um uh, so that would be my advice. So now, when, is, when you're talking about blocking out a or blocking a a chapter, is that kind of like I don't know if you've well you've been in Hollywood, so you've been around. You know that part of the yep. uh, process that a play goes through or a movie goes through is they block out everybody where everybody's going to be at certain places, and and so that they're not upstaged or downstaged, and and that sort of is that kind of what we're talking about here when we're talking about blocking. Well, sort of, but for example, um, if you're going to do a novel or let's say a script, there's certain techniques that have found to be very powerful. In the writing biz, they call it a narrative arc, where uh, in very gentle terms, you introduce your characters, hopefully in a way that people like them, and set up the, the, the situation, and then you involve your characters in the situation, and usually... You know, there's turmoil and cliffhangers and whatever. And then at the end, you have a resolution. So the reader can go, oh, man, I thought they were going to get run over by the train when they were on the tracks. But in the end, they made out. called a narrative arc. So uh, now that's for like a novel or an adventure story. If you're, in my case, with Tales from the Day, oh, I love it when I do that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, I... Uh, read a lot of memoirs and decided they by and large really sucked and that they didn't really address how things happened in life. So I wrote a series of, of events, if you will, that hopefully kind of tied together to get down to the end. But each chapter was a standalone and because it wasn't a uh, work of fiction, it was a work of, you know, memoir basically. And, um, and as an aside, Kevin, I was told by a lot of folks who knew better that writing a book with each chapter being effectively a standalone was, um, stupid and self-destructive because what people wanted, and that's in quotes, by the way, was a, a book with a, a narrative arc, a story, if you will. Where, you know, I start out by living in a cardboard box and end up, you know, in Beverly Hills, whatever the case may be. 
And I thought, yeah, but life doesn't happen like that. And life happens in a series of crazy crap you get involved with, and you either grab it and go with it or you don't. And so that's the way I attacked it, and it turned out to work out okay. So part of it is your artistic sense, too. But what you got to decide in the beginning is, what do you want to do? If you've always wanted to write a Western, a work of fiction, then if you've never, ever done it before, get your research and buy a book from a good, experienced uh, author or a screenplay writer. And they will tell you when you block the book out what what you need to do to catch the reader. This is known. This isn't a mystery. And then you kind of follow that as you create your create your story. You know, speaking of westerns, are you familiar with Louis Lamore? Oh God, I love that guy because he had a formula down where he'd start his book and I'd say, okay, now there's going to be a fight where either he gets beaten up or he beats <laughs> up somebody else. It's usually about six chapters in, right? I, oh, yeah, I, I read about 10 of his books, and then I figured it out. It was like, wait a minute. This is the same guy, just a different suit. <laughs> and one guy had Pearl Island guns, and the other guy had, you know, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, people loved his characters, and he stared at the horizon with a crooked smile but straight teeth <laughs> and, you know, said draw stranger i mean he he was great and that was me too kevin i mean i read his books and i thought wait a minute (laughs) but but that's you know that's that's the way you do it if you get a series going that people like and you're not writing it as a you know to kill a mockingbird or whatever you just want to make your living as a writer and you score then you you do a series you know yeah, using yeah. the same people situation. Yeah, he made it. that guy had a bailing machine for his money. I mean, he really did very well. And he really, he really did. Now, now, do you, yeah. do you advocate in 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 the book that we're talking about? Which is, by the way, we're talking with Wayne D. McFarland. He's an author of a couple of books. Get Tales from the Day. It is a it's a great book. They have individual stories, but he goes into depth. It's 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 a lot of fun to uh, to read that book. And then the new book, which is you're an author, don't get hustled because. Everybody who is either wants to be an author or is an author, and and then there's the other group that wants to make money off the author. So that's the group that you're talking about, right? That's it exactly. That is it exactly. And uh, so, so, but he's he's uh, now. Do you advocate uh, um, when you get to, to go on a book tour to get in to go to libraries and to get in front of people and to talk about your books, or is that kind of a waste of time? Well, that's, that's a, there's a good one. I mean, I got a chapter on that, actually. So, um, assuming you're not being sponsored by, you know, Random House or somebody, uh, you know, one of the big things you'll see from the gurus online who want your money is, you know, one of their tips is do book signings. Go, you know, go to here and there and sign books and whatever. And, by and large, what I what I say in the book is, look, you know, their uh, book signings, by and large, are really an ego massage. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
And if you like getting out and talking to people and selling a few books, just don't expect to, to sell a hundred of them. Um, the one thing I recommend is if you're going to go to a bookstore and, and do a signing, first thing to find out is where they're going to put you. They're going to put you out front. They're going to put you in back by the mops. I mean, <laughs> where are you going to be, right? Right. And then the other thing, the other thing is you need to find out is do they publicize it? Some bookstores say, hey, Kevin, come on in. Do a book signing. Of course, you have to publicize it. Really? And uh, the thing I tell people is, look, if you've got a book, I'm just going to make these numbers up. Say it's a $15 book. Your cost is probably going to be hmm, three bucks, maybe. So let's say you go into a bookstore and you're there for eight hours. And you sell... 20 bucks. Now you're making 12 bucks a book. I can do the math. $220 divided by eight hours and lunch. So, and transportation, transportation. Sure. And then if you spend any money on signage or if you publicize it, I'm not saying don't do it, but just be aware of what you're doing. And, you know, but if you rely on signings that you set up on your own, to uh, you know, to be a, a major factor, it can be in the town that you're in, but it also can be a complete waste of time. So what I say is, look, if you're going to go do it, here's how you do it. And let me give you one example on the entertainment side. Uh, the guy who you may or may not know, I don't know, uh, he's passed away now, John Denver. Oh uh, yes, when he yeah, when he started out. Uh, he went around the Midwest and he put up signs in the local bars and grocery stores and whatever. And before he did that, he would have a venue, usually at a roadhouse or a, or a bar where he would play. And a lot of times for free or drinks or hamburgers or whatever. Uh, and he built a following that way, but he was all over the Midwest. I mean, you know, living Trampish, which probably added to his image. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, it did. But if, yeah, but if you're in town, you know, and you're going to do, you know, a bookstore tour, bear in mind that it is a a long road to hoe, and make sure you understand the numbers. I mean, it's it's a business, and what the hope is is that you get there and you hit ten bookstores and you sell twenty books at each store. The hope is that if if your work is good, again, come back to that caveat that you you know it'll help you spread the word and help you make it viral. But doing bookstores, libraries, I'm giving kind of a mixed response here. It can be good. On the other hand, uh, if they stick you in back and they don't do any publicity, we call it Zen marketing, Kevin, which is the sound of one hand clapping. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're sitting in the back in the lotus position all along. <laughs> well, so. it's, it's kind of like, see, in, in a, now at any point during this little portion that I'm going to say here, you can interrupt at any point to tell me that I'm dead wrong. Every business that's out there, book places, uh, uh, music places, uh, bars that have live music, and, and every venue 
What they're looking for is somebody to bring people into their venue. Bingo. And they are looking for you to bring people into their venue, and they're not interested in spending a damn dime in order to get that done. Because what Double the, bingo. You just, you just won the grand prize. <laughs> it's, it's like in the music business in Seattle. I don't know if it's this way elsewhere, but I was talking with a guy that, that had a band, and they, they got a gig at a really, at one of the bigger places in town. And, uh, and it was the Crocodile. And, uh, and they do live music and stuff. And so um, they got this gig, and he said, you want to buy a couple of tickets? I said, well, should I go there to buy them? He said, no, you buy them from me. Explain. And he he said, well, uh, they gave us the gig, but they also gave us 200 tickets to sell. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Troubadour in L.A., which is where a lot of musicians are. Oh, sure. I mean, you, it's like an open mic if you're a stand-up comic. Get up and take abuse for free. I mean, it's just... (laughs) I, let me, I'll give you a short story, which bookstores now are tough because of COVID. I mean, people just aren't going out, right? But a year and more ago, I sat down and I said to myself, exactly what you said, Wayne, what do these stores care about? Well, they're in business to make money, duh. And they're, you know, they're, they want to sell books. So what I did is I sent out a, a, an email to all the bookstores from a list that I compiled from the company, I had to hand enter them. There were like a thousand of them. That was fun. <laughs> and I sent them out a, a, a note about the book and what it was. And I also gave them a link to uh, basically a poster that you could make any size you wanted, but eight and a half by 11 that you could print out on a printer that just says, it's here. Tales from the day, and it's this and it's that. It has so they could just tape it to the door, right? Mm-hmm. Real, really got really kickstarted things, and the reason being is that you know they had the venue, and I said to myself, "What do they want? They want to sell books, so I got to make it easy for them. So let's give them a poster. They can just hang on the door and hang on a wall and whatever." And the other thing that uh, that when I first got involved with this. And it was the first sign that the publisher I was involved with was a scam. Was uh, when we started doing the cover for the book. You know, again, what I tell people is look, ask yourself. You go into a bookstore, you look at a book online. What do you look at? Well, you look at the reviews. Yeah, I mean, you look at the reviews. Uh, And if you're looking at a book, a hard book in your hand, say, you're going to look at the reviews. Are there any reviews on the back or on the front? Is there anything there? Why should you buy it? This is a book about a, a you know, young lad of 17 who was thrown back in time to become a knight of the round table. Oh, God, you know. <laughs> However, if you, have re- if you have reviews on that that say, I couldn't put this thing down. What a great twist on history. This was marvelous, blah, blah. The odds are, if you're into that kind of thing, you might buy it. So, when we got started, they sent me a cover, and I said, you don't have room on here for reviews. And they said, you don't need no stinking reviews. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? So I made them redesign it, and then I sent it out to various folks I knew and others and got pre-release reviews, which is another thing I recommend. 
because they'll tell you, you know, no professional is going to put their name on it if it sucks. So I got reviews to put on the front cover and four to put on the back cover along with a little blurb about what it was. And that meant that even on Amazon or in any bookstore, the book became what's called a pop display, a point of purchase display, where, you know, you come up and you look at it on Amazon, look at the cover, read the reviews, or in a bookstore. Now you're talking, right? Oh, yeah. Now maybe something's... Yeah. See, it makes it makes so, perfect sense because as yeah. as an example, I'm kind of an odd dude, my an odd duck anyway. But on the back of your of uh, of Tales from the Day, the um, at the very top it says McFarlane is one hell of a storyteller and a good guy to have along when you get thrown in jail. <laughs> that all by itself, I'd pick that up and read it. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, and it, it's really important, and it, it's. Uh, yeah, that's not common sense, really. But I'd been in the publicity business for a while, and I just thought, you know, you you. That's why they put if you buy a steak, they put whether it's a New Yorker or a tenderloin. I mean, you want to know what you're getting, hopefully. Well, and so, if, and if it if it if you don't have, I I tried to teach this to my son because I was in the restaurant business for a long time, and uh, and and the the meat business and stuff. And I said, if they don't tell you what the grade of the meat is or what the cut is, don't buy it. Because, exactly. Because they will all, if, it, if it's a crap piece of meat, they'll just say sirloin, which means nothing. <laughs> well, it was a lesson I learned when I was just a kid, and I kind of hitchhiked my way to Paris of all places. And one day we went into a restaurant, big, sophisticated Bring us a bottle of, I don't remember what it was, some wine. And they brought it to the table. And I noticed the guy and his entourage at the next table were laughing because they brought the bottle open over. <laughs> and these people were, people were laughing. I said, what's so funny? And they said, they just took an empty bottle and filled it up with cooking wine. You know, if they don't open the bottle at your table, you don't know what you're getting, right? Right. <laughs> so the same thing as your sirloin example. I mean, yeah, it's meaningless. I don't mean anything. Same thing with the book. Exactly, and 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 so if you give people a little taste of what's in the book by the cover, then they're more yep. then they're more liable to to pick it up and and look at it. Besides, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people. I mean, the cover that you did is is really it's a cool cover, and it's got uh, all kinds of stuff, and it even talks about uh, uh, Will Rogers and and uh, how funny he was, and that you know and stuff. So you've you've been you've been around. It, it's been great. It's great that you did that book, but it's even better that you did the second book because you're an author, don't get hustled, is going to be a real gateway for folks who would like to be an author but don't want to get hustled. Yeah, that that was really my thought. And, you know, it's out there on Amazon for 7 bucks. It's not exactly, you know, I'm not going to be buying my new candy apple red Tesla with the, the results of this, but I just wanted people to have it. I thought, you know, I, I didn't get hurt too bad, although I got hurt because I at least had some experience. But God, kill it! I mean, the average person who's dreamed their whole life of writing a book and then they get out there and you know, ten thousand dollars losses later, find out what they could have had for seven dollars. Uh, you know, I just don't. If I can prevent it, I don't want to see. Well, you're going to love this. 
so I put the book up, just put it up on Amazon. And I think so far there's 11 reviews or something, and all are five star except for one. I got trolled, a one star review, right? And it was put up by this lady who I think I gored some ox of hers. As far <laughs> as I can determine, she's one of the people that make their living ripping off artists. So she, she banned my book, and one thing she said. <laughs> It was really pretty nasty. One thing she said. Now, all my other reviews were five-star, by the way. But in, in her one-star review, one thing she said was, one of the things that McFarland said in this Don't Get Awesome book was that the writer of Fifty Shades of Grey was self-published, and that's not true. You know, blah, blah. Well, the truth is that the author of Fifty Shades of Grey, which sold, God, I don't know, what, 50 million copies worldwide or something? It was originally self-published as an e-book. I mean, nothing sells like sex, right? Oh, sure. And then when, <laughs> when, when she was selling tons of them, then a major publisher stepped up and said, hey, hey, you need us. And they just took the book and ran with it, and the rest is history. But it was originally self-published. So some other people have responded to her post just saying, you know, you're you're wrong about this and and so that helped but that was really disconcerting i've never been trolled before so you're an author has so far i think 11 amazon reviews all five star except which the highest you can do except for one which is one star and really grumpy you know <laughs> well you know when you i gotta tell you wayne when you're taking money out of people's wallet sometimes they get a little yeah. testy yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because yep, when right. when you're showing when you when you're shining a light into the darkest corners of these people's minds of what they think that they can do and what they can do to folks, it's it's it really is. Uh, it, it's important that you put this work out there so that people you can shine a light into how seedy some folks are in in this world, like they are in. And it's not just being an author; it's like everything else. You've got people that are producers, and you've got people that are trying to get the, something from the producers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the two biggest fields that feed, like you know, sucking your soul. Uh, off of the dreams of people are, you know, writing, and the other is broadcasting and acting. Uh, I mean, it's it's just people dream of it, you know. And I don't know what you went through to get set up the way you are and have the experience and the ability to do what you do, but it was not an easy path, I'm sure. And there are schools out there that I have seen that will. For just a few thousand dollars, they'll teach you to become a podcaster or a broadcaster. Right. Well, I'm I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I suspect that's probably not the way you want to go. I am totally against the broadcasting schools from the standpoint of after you get past understanding the equipment, and you can do that on your own as well. You don't have to go to the school to learn how to edit and, and to learn how to put things together. The bottom line is, do people care about you? Do people want to listen to you? If they don't want to listen to you, if they don't want to read your book, if they don't like the story that you're telling, it doesn't matter. That's exactly right. 
Hey, you know, for what you're doing, you know, you and I were talking a little earlier, but editing stuff and, I mean, even just doing it, editing it and creating it into a coherent show, it's really time-consuming and tough. That being said, you can learn it by getting software, some of which is available for free, free, and just doing it. And I'll, I'll bet, Kevin, that you've done it and done it and done it and done it and done it until you can do it. If not in your sleep, then at least drowsy. Yeah, but there's always the cool thing is there's always something more. It's a, it's like you, the turn of a phrase, the the way that you put the, something together. It's it's there's always something more that you can learn and you can get better yep. at your craft. But I can tell you the one yep. thing that makes it okay to be a podcaster and and to do what I do is the fact that I'm in a position now where I don't have to make any money from it. So that's not a driving motivational factor. The driving yep. factor is to put something great, to bring people like you to the audience so that they can benefit from people like you. I don't have to. I it, it, Although if you tell me the checks in the mail, I'm not going to argue with you. But uh, but the fact of the matter <laughs> is I, I, I wanted to talk to you because of the specifically of this friend who's who really has got a gift but just doesn't know how to begin and uh you can help him with that that's why i'm going to recommend to yeah, him that you go get this book which is you're an author don't get hustled by wayne d mcfarland and also pick up tales from the day he did that that is a fun book i i really enjoyed reading that book well thank you so much and tell your friend you know that they're uh he or she can go on my website and contact me direct through the website. I'd love to help. Them. I'm serious. I mean, you know, it, I would love to please tell them to contact me. I can give them as much of a hand as I can. I will. And, and by the way, I have to do a shameless plug now on Thursday, I'm going to do a podcast and uh, it's going to be a subset of my independence report, which is a view from the seat. And it's going to talk about uh, bus driver stories. All right. All right, let me go on that. I want to hear that. It is. It it will be. It will be. You know, and it it depends on how how good you tell a story too. It's like I drove a bus for eleven years, and didn't really have too many. Uh, uh, I never got assaulted. Um, I did have one guy throw uh, 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 pour a beer down my uh, uh, fare box, which was a little embarrassing. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, I don't have many stories. Oh, of course, I got assaulted once and blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in this... This particular guy, see, I, I had a route that, that drove by a convenience store that one of their lost leaders was that they used um, steel reserve malt liquor, which is a fortified malt liquor that they sold for $1.19 a quart. Oh, oh. Oh, yikes. So there's a certain segment of the population <laughs> that happens to have a buck 20, and that's so they go get that. And and he he poured that thing down my fare box, and, of course, that's is stickier than, than anything. So I couldn't take any money after that, but it was, you know, but it, there are tons of stories, some good, some not so good. That, but that's what we're going to do, and we're going to do a little subset, which is uh, a view from the seat, and we're going to talk. Because I tell you, in this day of COVID and, and, and those poor guys, you're stuck in the seat all day long, 10 hours a day, and you're trying to not get sick. We've even had a couple of bus drivers die in Seattle. Oh, God. 
that's just terrible. You know, if everybody would just wear a mask and not be stupid about this, we maybe that could be stopped a little bit. Really, a couple of guys have died. Yeah, we've had we had a couple of guys that they caught the the virus from from passengers or somebody, and and because you know you deal with so many people on an everyday basis when you're a bus driver that, and some of them. <laughs> All right, some of them, their hygiene isn't as good as we would like it to be. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Yes, yes, enough said there. Yeah, yeah but it's like when when somebody said, you know, you have to wash your hands on a regular basis, they thought once every three weeks was plenty. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is that I, I became a bus driver only because I was 50 and nobody wanted me to sell anything for him anymore. And so I, 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 a friend of mine said, why don't you become a bus driver? And my first reaction was what everybody's reaction is. It's like, are you friggin' kidding me? There's no way that yeah. I do that job. Well, I did it for 11 years and, and it, it worked out fine, but, but it's, it can be, it can be gross. It can be not. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the time yeah. that uh, uh, it was in the morning time, and I was driving my bus. I was driving a 60-foot bus, and I see this um, 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 gentleman go and and kneel by the back door. I thought maybe he was, you know, like, I don't know, maybe he was a Muslim and praying to the east. No, he just... <laughs> He he decided, he decided to throw up all over the back of my bus, right right there, and, it's, and I didn't even know it until I until a passenger came up and said, uh, "You have a mess in the back of your bus." And and, oh. <laughs> and oh, I have to tell you this really one story. This this I had this guy that that threw up all over my bus. Now the cool thing <laughs> is when you're a bus driver, um, I don't have to clean that up. I have a what's called a supervisor who gets paid more than me, drives around in a little van. It's his job to clean that up. Which, you know, I got, I got to tell you, I'm always on the alert for great openings to stories or books. And you may not realize it, but one day I was driving my bus. It's a great opening line. It you know? it really? <laughs> that would hook me. What? <laughs> You're driving your bus? What? <laughs> well, and the, and the funny part was, so the, the supervisor came on and he said, where is it? And I, and he got, got right on the front of the bus and said, where is it? And then he looked and goes, oh, and because uh, he saw it, it was like everywhere. And so he gets the, the paper towels and starts uh, cleaning it up. And he, you know, oh. he threw up in his mouth kind of thing Oh, <laughs> because it, it was so nasty. <laughs> And, and but the, but but Wayne, you'd appreciate this. The line he said was precious. He 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 uh, he threw the stuff in the garbage. Came back on and said, "I threw up too, but at least mine tasted like coffee." Oh God! Yikes! <laughs> Holy buckets! <laughs> it was a, it was it was a funny it was a it was a funny oh. moment. I tell you. So, but oh, by the way, you, you, I have to tell you, Wayne, you, you have to come, you can come on my podcast anytime you want to, because you are an, you're an engaging man and you're a lot of fun to talk to. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it very much. I was 
delighted when I uh, got your message. We might be able to meet up again. And, uh, you know, when this is all done, can can we stay on the line together for just a second? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, we've been talking with Wayne D. McFarland. He is an author. He's written a couple of books. I highly, highly, highly recommend Tales from the Day. And it's the stories of individual days that just like a bus driver story, it can be an individual day and it, it, the next, the next day is completely different. And so he talks about a bunch of stories that including the day his wife met Johnny Cash and, uh, uh, and stuff. So it's, 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 it's an entertaining read. And then if you have any design at all to become an author of any way, shape, or form, you need to go get You're an Author, Don't Get Hustled. Because for every author, there's two people wanting to get into his wallet. Am I wrong about that? Oh, more than two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Well, it's it's great fun talking to you, and I, I really really enjoyed spending the, spending the time with you. I want to honor your time and and uh, and and let you go. But uh, uh, it's it's been great fun, and and I hope that you have a wonderful day, young man. And I hope both books um, hit the New York Times bestseller list. Thank you, and good luck to you too, Kevin. Let me know when that the uh, <laughs> the bus stories are going to be on. I can't, can't wait. I don't know if I can take it, but I can't wait to hear. Well, I'll tell you the uh, um, one of the guys that I'm going to have on is a little. He's he's a little. Um, irritated with the profession shall we say so it might be a little uh, blue I, I may have to do yeah. some editing of 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 that but uh he he's uh um he's a great guy but he's he has what i call a golden handcuff you know what that is no i don't a golden handcuff is that he makes too much money doing this he can't make this much money doing this anywhere else and the benefits are outstanding so he's kind of tied to it so it's he's in the handcuffs uh, but they're golden at least uh at least that yeah so. yeah so it makes it tough so anyway yeah. again wayne d mcfarland get his book tales from the day and also you're an author don't get hustled it will probably if you you got this book out for for seven bucks, I'll bet you it saves anybody who reads it a thousand dollars or more. Oh, I I would think so. I mean, speaking from personal experience, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I hope to do. Awesome, and thank Wayne. Thanks again for being on the show, and and thank you for thank listening. You. It's been it's been great fun, and uh, and I hope that everybody has a wonderful day. It's a beautiful summer day. Wash your hands and enjoy yourself. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we got. See you next time. A mind of penetration.